Hello, this is Justin Coleman, Senior Pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, church family. Please go with me to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and perhaps even in spite of me. And so let the humble words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. This week we continue on in our Worship Matters sermon series. And on this Sunday we'll talk about Word, the Word of God, what it means to proclaim the Word of God and live the Word of God. I want to start by talking just a little bit more about the architecture of our space. Church architecture is in part about drama and symbol and in part about practicality. Here in the midst of our worship space, we see the connection of word and table, of pulpit and altar or communion table in the center of our chancel. The position in the chancel also shows their centrality in worship. The pulpit is a grand piece of furnishing in the midst of our chancel, this place where scripture is read from and proclaimed. It also has a very practical function. If you're standing in the pulpit, the sight lines between the balcony and the pulpit or the, the nave lower nave and the pulpit are very clear. So again, has this symbolic function and a very practical one as well. A moment ago, I talked about how the pulpit is high and lifted up and how this dramatizes, it symbolizes the placement of the Word of God in the midst of the community of God. It's high and lifted up, revered. Now, in days gone by, pastors would always preach from the pulpit for a variety of practical and symbolic reasons. Practical reasons, well, the sight lines. People could see the person who was speaking better. Also, because of the placement of the pulpit, it worked well acoustically in the midst of the space so that people could hear better. Certainly this was the case in the times before microphones and other kinds of amplification of sound. Well, today I choose to speak not in the pulpit, but on the steps of the chancel. Uh, this has a kind of drama to it as well. It dramatizes that the Word of God has come close to the people. That God is close to everybody sitting in the pews, everyone sitting in the congregation. Rather than using soaring kinds of vocal tones as an orator would in days gone by when I might speak more like this, well, I try to speak in a more conversational tone. It approximates how I might talk if we were sitting down together talking about Scripture. 
This is meant to convey that the Word of God is meant to be close to us. It's not distant from us. It's still high and lifted up and central. God is also near you. And God's Word is also near to you. I want to say a brief word about proclamation, a word about being sure, and then a word about how Scripture can interpret our lives. Proclamation. A proclamation happens all the time. Uh, teachers proclaim, or politicians proclaim, or parents and friends proclaim. There's lots of proclamation. Marketers proclaim all the time. They're constantly preaching to us, constantly evangelizing us. Here's a product. Here's why you need it. Here's how it's going to make your life better. It's all meant to shift your thinking and your behavior. Uh, preacher friends uh, joke all the time about how politicians preach and, and people believe the proclamation of politicians even about church things more than they believe us when we talk about church things. Proclamation is always happening, and people are always hoping that we would believe. Well, my hope is that Scripture would be central, and that we'd ask questions about what is consonant or what's resonant with Scripture, and that might be something that we then could adopt, or what's dissonant from Scripture, and that's something we need to interrogate further. Another question that comes up is, well, how can you be sure? How can you be sure that this scripture is the word of God or that it contains everything necessary for salvation. Well, and then some, some would say, well, we can't really be sure of anything. Well, how can you be sure then that we can't be sure? My hope is that we would develop a sense of, of trust that God can indeed speak to us in the multiple ways, varied ways, that God speaks to us. And we know that through this relationship that we develop with God through prayer and through the reading of Scripture. Let me just say also a brief word about how Scripture can interpret our lives. Now, there's a pastor that I really respect but don't always agree with named Tim Keller. And, and Tim Keller talks about the early Christian social project. And he said it has five dimensions. Multiracial, multiethnic, committed to caring for the poor, the marginalized, non-retaliatory, committed to forgiveness, practically against abortion and infanticide, uh, revolutionary regarding ethics of sex. And he says, you know, we often say that these two are very progressive and, and these two are conservative issues. And what he's trying to say here is that the church ought to press against the proclamation of either of these two groups, that it should move beyond it, that it should include a wider range of people and move beyond it. And where we disagree, because even as I read this list, not everybody would agree with every bullet point in this list. And I'd say parenthetically that don't just assume 
that you uh, know exactly what he means by each of these uh, categories. They kind of need to be unpacked a bit, which we can perhaps do in another sermon series. But I lift this up because I know that this list would be evocative in some kind of way. That It would cause some tensions in our own thinking. And what Keller says is each of these finds its basis in Scripture. And so his question is, how are we allowing Scripture to interpret our lives? When there's a point of dissonance, do we simply dismiss? Or do we allow Scripture to interpret us and help us perhaps even think differently about something than we thought before? We'll come back to this list, and I, I think this list is can be very open and, and, and inclusive and, and may not mean exactly what you what you think it, it means, but we've got to wrestle with these conversations together as we read Scripture together and as we seek to listen to the voice of God together. Now, Scripture talks about not merely being hearers of the Word, but also doers of the Word. Not just hearing it in a sermon or hearing it read in a Bible study or even reading it, not just consuming the Word from an intellectual standpoint, but also doing the Word. What does it mean to do the Word? It means to, to live it out, to allow the Word of God to become alive in your life. I think Jesus dramatizes here in this text, uh, in Luke chapter 4, how to put them both together. So Jesus has been traveling and teaching, kind of like an itinerant preacher in different synagogues. He was praised by everybody, the scripture says. And then he went to Nazareth, his hometown. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue as he normally did and stood up to read. They gave him the scroll from Isaiah. He unrolled it and found the place where it is written. The place in, in our Bibles would be Isaiah 61. Found the place where this is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He sent me to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolls the scroll up, he gives it back to the assistant, he sits down, because in those days, a person wouldn't read and preach from a pulpit, or wouldn't preach from a pulpit, they would sit down, a rabbi would sit down and teach. So he sat down, all the eyes of the congregation are fixed on him, and then he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. What Jesus is saying here is Jesus is in the midst of this very public ministry, beginning this very public ministry in Luke's gospel, is the things that I've just read about, all this stuff and in Isaiah about preaching good news to the poor and being in ministry with prisoners 
in healing people, offering the recovery of sight, to find anybody who is oppressed and to help to liberate them. And also to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim the, the cancellation of debts. This, all of this is fulfilled as you hear it. It's fulfilled in me, Jesus is saying. This is fulfilled in the person and the ministry of Jesus. The things that you've read, the things that you've heard, now you see done as well in the person and ministry of Jesus. The coupling of these two is so very important. And I'll tell you that I've simply not seen a vital, dynamic church making a difference in the lives of individuals, making a difference in the lives of the community, in the world, that didn't attend well to two things. Two things. One is active prayer. Active, persistent prayer across the membership of the church. Praying for the things that the, the church believes in and wants to see in the lives of their members, but also in the life of the community and world. Fervent prayer has been something that has marked vibrant communities that I've seen but also great attention given to Scripture. Great attention given to being in Bible study together, uh, to learn about these holy Scriptures with a community of other learners, but also the individual reading of Scripture. A person sitting down devotionally, and reading scripture, allowing these words to, to pour over their lives, allowing these words to, to interact with their lives, and opening oneself to hearing the voice of God as you read the scriptures. Vibrant churches have always had these two, prayer and fervent prayer and the fervent reading of Scripture. I absolutely believe in it. I absolutely believe in this Word of God that is given to us. Many of you know that my life of faith, my journey of faith, began in the reading of Scripture. So long before we attended church regularly, um, I went down one day in the, in the family house as I was growing up. I was in middle school. And I don't even know what compelled me to do this. Actually, I do know. I know it was God. It was the, the, the movement of the Holy Spirit. I went downstairs and I grabbed the family Bible off the bookshelf. It was a large King James version of the Bible. And I began to read it every night. I felt like starting with 
the New Testament. So I started with Matthew chapter 1, and I read through the entire New Testament, a chapter or a couple chapters a night. Then I did that a second time, and then the third time around, I went to Genesis and, and read through. No pastor told me to do this. My parents didn't tell me to do this. I just felt like it was the right thing to do. And so I'd pray every night that God would speak to me as I read through the scriptures. And it absolutely changed my life. It wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't the first night or the, the second night, but through the consistent reading of scripture, it changed my life. It helped me to understand uh, how to discern God's voice, how to discern God's will, how to know what I was called to in this world. It, it took time, it took practice, it took listening, it took patience, but it absolutely transformed my life. I fell in love with God through the reading of Scripture, and then I began going to church regularly. I began going to a Methodist church with uh, a friend whose father was pastor of the church. And I fell in love with the church and the people of God, and, and my life was enriched as I began to enter into Bible study with the youth group and, and Bible study with others in the church in multi-generational settings. And it helped me to, to understand something more about what God was saying because I wasn't only listening to the voice of God speaking to me as I read scripture, but I was also listening to how God was speaking to other members in the community. And it gave me a more rounded understanding of what God was saying to us as a community and what God was saying to me. And so, as one of your pastors, this is my deep desire for each of you. That you invest time and attention, regular time and attention to this word. Uh, that you wouldn't give up on it, that you wouldn't cancel it out because you find things that you might disagree with here, but you, that you'd allow this word to, to challenge you. Allow this word to offer correctives to the way you think and live in this world. And that you'd also invest time in, in understanding it, understanding whether it's saying what you think it means. So investing in, in a deep interpretation of the scripture. And I know that if you do it, it will absolutely change your life. If you find ways to invest deeply, it will change your life. Just like any relationship that you invest in deeply will change your life. If you need help with that, if you need help on the journey, if, you, if you're saying, Pastor, I really don't know where to start. I've, I want to read the Bible, but I don't know what kind of reading plan or where to go to find one. I, I want to engage in more in-depth Bible study, but, but 
I don't know where to go for that. Is, is there a class for that that I could join? If you've got questions, please contact us. Maybe it's just that you were reading through a chapter or reading through a book of the Bible and, and, and there were questions that you hold and you'd just like to talk about them. Please reach out to us. We love talking about this. We love talking about Scripture. I hope that we can be a community that allows our imagination around how to be a Christian in the world, how to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. I hope that we'll allow this imagination to flow from this holy book, which contains the word of God, which contains everything we need for Salvation contains everything that we need to point us toward God and help us to know what it means to live like Jesus. Why don't you go with me to the Lord in prayer? Oh Lord, we thank you for giving us this holy word. We pray that you would open our hearts and minds to hearing the word that you have for us as we read. Pray that you would reveal yourself to us as we read. Pray that your Holy Spirit would be our guide as we read. And as we read these words, as we invest in them, May we be a people that follows you, that follows your direction, the direction that you give us so that we can live like Jesus in this world, so that we can love like Jesus in this world, so that we can serve like Jesus in this world, so that we can inspire others toward love and good works. We ask these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. And may the peace of Christ be with you. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you, and we hope to see you soon.